Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. I'm not sure you're going to believe who I got on this podcast this week. We got a great guest this week. He's usually the host, I would guess, of a majority of the tennis content you see either on television or on Twitter. Uh, he's a he's usually a host. This week, he's a guest. Welcome to the show, Steve Wiseman. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. It's fantastic to have you on here, and I can't wait to talk a little tennis and pick your brain a little bit about some of the experiences that you've had in this sport of tennis and exactly kind of what you do. I want to start in Paris, where you just were not too long yep. ago, and everything with Novak Djokovic that happened over there. But first off, just how many years you've been going to that tournament over there at the French Open and your experience there this year, because the bracket was so different than prior years. Yeah, this was my uh, seventh year, I'm, I'm privileged to say, uh, going to Roland Garros. And, you know, for Tennis Channel, this is our Super Bowl. You know, this is our tentpole event. This is massive. Uh, we, you know, own the rights to this tournament and send everybody there and put all our resources into making it as good as possible. And, you know, every year I, I never take it for granted. But uh, to me, uh, you know, Paris is my favorite city in the world. This is my favorite tournament. I love the red clay. Um, and you know, it's always been an amazing experience this year, not having Rafa there was obviously a, a little different, you know, the guy that's won it 14 times and just absolutely owns that event. But, you know, Novak Djokovic was still there. We had, you know, Carlitos Alcaraz, uh, on the same side. So when the draw came out, we were wondering which side Novak would end up on. He ended up on Carlos's side and had that, you know, epic semifinal that, was really only great for two sets, but, yeah. you know, really showed the, the, the dominance of the 36-year-old versus, you know, the 20-year-old number one who had never been able to, who had never faced Novak in a, in a best-of-five major match, which is totally different uh, than your than your tour-level, you know, best-of-three. And then on the women's side, Iga Sviantek, who over the last year has proven herself as, you know, far and away the number one woman in the world, uh, especially on the clay court surface, who was the returning champion, and then, we had Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rybakina, who have really developed into this big three on the women's side. And it was unfortunate that Rybakina had to, you know, withdraw from the tournament. She was struggling uh, with some allergies and stuff like that, and a sickness. And you know, Sabalenka got upset, uh, and that and that was one of the big upsets. And you know, Sviantek ends up winning and you know maintaining her spot at number one in the world and dominance on that surface. And then on the men's side, you know, we saw what happened and. Uh, we saw history, and 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 honestly, it's it's been really pretty much every year some sort of history that I've been able to witness there. Whether it's Rafa continuing, you know, from La Decima to eleven to twelve to thirteen to fourteen, mm -hmm. and and every time he wins, it becoming a big piece of this, you know, goat race, as well as who on the men's side has won the most major singles titles, and for the first time ever. Novak Djokovic is now that guy at 23. Uh, and this is something that he's talked about for a long time. He's very open about it. He says, I, I play because I want to break all the records and I want to make all the history. And that's exactly what he went out and did. Um, you know, taking out 
Alcaraz in the semifinal and proving that he was just better physically and mentally than, you know, the guy who at the time was ranked number one in the world. And then, you know, pretty much dismantling Casper. That first set was, was really good. And then from there, Novak doing what Novak does at 36 years old, really in the still in the prime of his career. Um, and I asked him after, I was like, all right, you've done all these things. Now, you know, you've got 23 majors. You're leading the men's side. Now you've won every major three times, right? So no other man in history has done that. Um, you won all the Masters 1000s twice. No other man has even won them once. You're, you're back to number one in the world, 388 weeks and counting. No human has spent that much time at number one in the world. So what, what's the next, you know, significant record that you want to achieve? And he, you know, he was like, uh, I want to get another chance in New York, which I, I, I found awesome to hear that, that he's already thinking about that. By the way, we haven't played Wimbledon, which the last four times that he has played Wimbledon, he has won. He is the returning champion. Um, hasn't lost on center court in like a decade. But, um, you know, the fact that he's still thinking about the Grand Slam, like the true Grand Slam that hasn't been done since Steffi Graf did the Golden Slam, you know, back in 1988, hasn't been done on the men's side since way before that. Uh, but, you know, he's like, yes, I have to take care of business in at Wimbledon. But, you know, he had that opportunity a few years back where he was one match away from the Grand Slam. And he, he's thinking about about doing that, which would elevate him, you know, even higher. And he's already, in my opinion, statistically the men's goat. But, um, you know, it, it's always a privilege to spend some time with him and, and, and kind of learn from that guy. When when we talked to when people talked to players before it was like during covid when rafa was hurt a little bit novak obviously couldn't play in some tournaments and the players would talk about you know without the big three in a bracket our confidence is just higher because we know we don't have to run into them you talked about it just there how novak is still in his prime right even though rafa's not in some of these tournaments now because he's still injured and rogers retired it seems like there's still an Everest to climb in all of these tournaments because of the condition that Novak's in right now. He seems to be still in his prime and playing some of the best tennis that he's ever played, especially mentally. Mentally, I think Roddick said it, right? Andy Roddick said it first he takes your legs, then he takes your soul. Like That's right. Like, <laughs> like what kind of mountain is there to climb for this next generation? And even just watching Novak right now and what he can do still at this age it seems like his ceiling hasn't even began to like start falling from the sky. It's it's a huge mountain because he is still pushing the big three, you know, to the to the levels that they have achieved over the past two decades. And so, you know, with, with Roger retiring, Rafa is set to come back next year, and you know, pick against champions at your own peril. Uh, you know, I, I will never. <laughs> say that they can't do anything what we saw from venus williams today jacob at 43 years old got a win. winning a three hour 15 minute plus match against the top 50 player basically on one leg i mean that's that's truly inspiring so th these greats are are just another type of human they're another type of tennis champion and and that's what we're seeing from novak Djokovic. and yeah when, when carlos alcaraz won the u.s open last year None of the guys, none of the big three were there. So that, that's, a, that's just a different situation. Um, and to, to overcome one of them, three out of five, is a different beast. You might be able to beat them in a Masters 1000 or, or another event, two out of three. Um, but three out of five major, 
they're, they're mentally on a, on another stratosphere and, and physically as well. And, and, and Djokovic is still there. And so, which by the way, Jacob is super scary to think about that at 36, he may still be in his prime and then Venus is 43. So that, you know, he's got, he's got a whole bunch of time left and he's at 23 majors now, if he stays healthy. And, and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is staying healthy. Um, and you never know, but if he stays healthy, Listen, he could be, you know, 25, 27, 30. You know, you never know how, how far he can push it because this is what he, he, you know, plans his whole calendar around are the four major tournaments. And Tom Brady was just in his box and he seems to that's be friends right. with Tom Brady. So that's even and he scarier. he was playing at 45. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's that longevity. And, and there, you know, it was interesting because we asked him about that as well. And uh, they had never met in person before. Wow. He's like, we've su- supported each other and, um, you know, been fans of each other and sent text messages and stuff like that and always respected, you know, one another's greatness, but had never actually met before. So that, that was really cool to see. So that they met right after he won number 23? Yeah, the, that was the, the meeting of the goats. <laughs> I guess he, didn't, he, he wanted to wait to meet the goat until he became the goat. <laughs> maybe that's what it was and i was actually really impressed by by tom because you know he, he let Djokovic celebrate with his family and all that and he kind of like you know stood back and waited for for novak to come to him and and give him a little love but uh it, it was cool to see <laughs> the fact that he was sitting next to uh yelena Djokovic's wife the entire match and like their kids were actually behind them so tommy got a better seat than uh than novak's kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they worked that out, but pretty impressive. I guess when you're Tom Brady, you can probably do things like that. There's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of ple- people that can probably replace his kids there. That's true. That's true. Um, from one great player to another, you talked about Rafa a little bit, and you talk about injuries with Novak, right? Like if he escapes these injuries, who knows what we could be talking about for Grand Slam titles with him? Uh, Rafa's been battling injuries his whole career. Uh, he plays such a physical type of tennis, the way it is. And so it almost seems inevitable that he would have to battle some of these injuries. But it's been such a confusing year if you're a Rafa fan because uh, what seemed to be not too big of an injury, now it extends months and months and months, bleeds into the clay court season, wipes out the clay court season, and now it's not looking great for his return into this summer. What... I mean, I don't know what, what you're hearing or the type, some of the interviews maybe you've done, um, but what's realistic, I guess, for Rafa at this point as far as a return? But when he does return, you're right, it is going to be hard to bet against him just because he is, in my mind, I think he's one of the greatest competitors to ever live. Oh, 100%. And basically he had surgery. Um, and, and the fact that he did that and went to Barcelona and flew in, you know, the, the best doctor for, for this type of surgery makes me believe that he is all in on continuing to compete and, and trying to come back at the highest level. And that's like you said, Jacob, what Rafa does, everything Rafa does is a hundred percent in, he doesn't, you know, he is one of the greatest competitors to ever walk the earth. He practices just as hard as he plays. He plays every single point. Like his life depends on it and that I don't ever see really. So uh, had, had the surgery to, to fix the hip and um, basically it's five or six months of recovery. So yeah, the whole, the whole summer's done. There's a potential that he could come back for Davis cup in November. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, it would be great if it did, but I think all 
all eyes are focused on the start of 2024 and next year probably being his last year. That's what he said. Maybe not, but but probably being his last year and going all in on 2024 and hoping to you know, play Roland Garros and also play the Olympics, which will be in Paris uh, as well. So two shots on the red clay at Roland Garros. And I think that's kind of what he's focused on and coming back to every tournament healthy and you know, being able to go out on his own terms at, at all these you know, special places in his career where he's won you know, so many times. So that's kind of what I think realistically it'll be. It'll be 2024, and I just hope he's 100% healthy. And, and a 100% healthy Rafa is a danger <laughs> to anybody on the other side of Absolutely. the court. So I would not put past uh, you know, anything past him, whether that's you know, number 15 at Roland Garros or, or anywhere else. Yeah, and the way I mean, the way that Andy Murray left, he had the whole retirement tour in Australia, came back with a metal hip and what he's doing, like I don't necessarily want to say like, you know, 2024 is absolutely it for Rafa. I know he said it in his press conference, but it is Rafael Nadal, right? Like I he just had a kid, that could be part of it, who knows. But his body is shutting down a little bit. He is getting older. But I don't necessarily want I, I'm not holding out hope there might be a 2025 in there. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I think there still could be. He's been battling his body his entire career. And people said at the beginning, oh, there's no way he lasts 10 more years or five more years because of, you know, how hard he plays and how hard it is on his body. And then here he is at 37. Um, and last year he won two majors. So, you know, <laughs> like I said, you know, bet against these greats at your own peril. Um He's 37, Novak's 36, and, and Novak's is halfway to the Grand Slam. So, um, and by the way, when, when Roger, you know, missed the back half of 2016, then came out 2017, and everybody was like, oh, he's done, you know, there's no way he does anything. And then he won two majors that year. So they're just a different human, those, those, those greats, you know, whether it's Roger, Rafa, Novak, whether it's Venus, Serena, um, you know, there's something special about them. That's why it's such a, a privilege to witness them. And, and we should never, I, I hate the question, oh, when are you going to retire this and that? Yeah, they've earned the right to play as long as they want to play. And, and honestly, I love that. I want to see them out on the court because the minute they leave, we're going to miss them. So, um, you know, if they want to play into their 40s, like, I could care less. Yeah, it's, looking at Venus's reaction today, it was like she won a major. You know, that type, and, and it's about the competition, it's about the sport, the love of the game, and, you know, just being able to outwill your opponent. It's it's truly inspiring, Jacob. Yeah, it, and it's awesome to see. I, I, I made a conscious decision, like, four years ago just to, like, just soak in these matches, right? Like, whether it's waking up at 2.30 in the morning to watch an Australian Open, like, second round with Rafa or or Novak or even Roger when he still played, it was just just soak it in. Because one day you're going to have kids or grandkids or you're going to be 50, and they're going to be like, what was it like to watch these guys play? And I just want to, like, remember it because I want to be able to, like, properly trans translate it to the next generation of how great these three guys are. And talking about these guys, I mentioned it earlier, this younger generation, and some of them aren't so young anymore, haven't been able to really get past the Bears, really get past the big three. Um, Medvedev's done it. Carlos Alcaraz has done it. But you see Kaspar Ruud, he's made three finals. He's lost. Um, you know, Medvedev had made it to finals and lost to Rafa. There's so many big names, I think, with the social media world and people just gaining popularity how they can 
nowadays. There's so many good players, too, that seem to be just waiting to get their crack at it. And right now, it seems like Alcaraz has come up as the favorite of this next generation because of how he's playing with Medvedev. Yannick Sinner, you can throw in there. Sitsipas, Berrettini. I mean, Sverev team, if he gets back healthy. I mean, there's names, right? There's names, names, names. But who are the next generation? Or I, I mean, it's a loaded question, but just who you see that can kind of carry the flag as maybe Rafa, you know, eases into retirement here and Novak gets older. Yeah, I think the sport's in, in great hands. Um, and there's always going to be a next generation of talent. And we've seen that over and over again. I mean, you know, whether when Pete and Andre, you know, retired, we weren't sure what was happening. And then, oh, this guy, Roger Federer, you know, steps up and all of a sudden he's broken Pete Sampras' record of 14 that we thought would last forever. And, and then comes, you know, Rafa and Novak. And now all of a sudden we have three guys that have hit 20 major titles. Um, so you mentioned Carlitos Alcaraz and, and he's the guy, right? I mean, it, because none of the big three even got to number one in the ro- world as a teenager. Carlos is the first teenager on the men's side, you know, that's ever reached number one in the world. So he's already proven with the something. big three still a part of the sport. Yeah. With them, with them still in there. So, and he's a major champion. So, you know, as a teenager, which hadn't happened in decades. So, you know, he's already there. Um, he, he's proven that he's been able to compete. Yes, he hasn't been able to beat one of the big three, three out of five yet, but but he's there. I love Holger Runa as well. He's also 20 years yeah. old. Um, they're both you know, days within each other in terms of age. And so Runa's beaten the best. I mean, last year at the Paris Masters, he beat, I think, five top 10 players in a row, including Novak Djokovic, to take the title there. He's now firmly cemented himself inside the top 10. So you got Alcaraz, you got Runa, and then you mentioned Yannick Sinner as well, who's only 21 years of age and has been able, you know, at the master's level to, to win at the, the highest level. And so you got three players inside the top 10 that are 21 and under, which is fantastic. And then you got a guy like Ben Shelton, who's only 20 years old right now, that's, you know, catapulted from being an NCAA champion at Florida to now being at a career high inside the top 35 in the world. Um, and I see him only, you know, getting higher and higher. He's got no points basically to defend for the rest of the year. And we haven't even seen the, you know, the peak of of what he's capable of doing. And on grass, I mean, he's going to be super dangerous. Won a tight match today against JJ Wolf in straight sets. And that was his first ever pro match on grass. Um, This whole year's first ever for him. He didn't even leave the country before like January. Exactly, exactly. And now he's got his dad who, who retired from coaching Florida, uh, the men's team there, and is mm-hmm. going to be traveling with him uh, and coaching him. So I, I'm really high on Ben Shelton, who's only 20. I'm high on Seb Korda, um, who's you know 22 as well, so 21, 22. So uh, he, he's inside the top 30 right now, had some injury issues, but has come back and I think has the level to win a major championship as well. And, and so these are just guys that are like 22 and under, that I think have a huge ceiling. Then there's the other guys. Yeah, Medvedev, already a major champion. Why can't he do it again? I think he's capable on every single surface. And once, you know, the big the big three are all gone, should get a couple more majors. I think Zverev still has the game um, to win a major. Sitsipas as well. Um, and, you know, why not Kasper Ruud? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, like you said, three of the last five majors, he's been in the final. Um Obviously, playing Djokovic is, is going to be different 
than playing a final against a Sinner, an Alcaraz, Aruna, or anybody else. I mean, he beat Hoga Aruna at Roland Garros this year. So there's, there's plenty of talent. There's plenty of guys that, that will put this game, you know, in, in, in good, good hands and a good space. But, but Alcaraz has certainly set himself apart from everyone else getting to number one in the world and, and winning a major as a teenager. It'll be fun to watch, and we've talked about it here earlier in this episode, but we don't know when that's going to happen because the way Novak's playing right now, if he takes a page out of his friend Tom Brady's book, it could be a while until some of these guys can fully emerge into that, into that Grand Slam title-type category with how well Novak has played here. I want to talk about some Americans because especially – you know, people in America that want to get into the sports or they want to follow the sports and they don't really, you know, have the way of following Berrettini a lot or Sitsipas a lot or Sverev, Medvedev, Rublev, those guys, right? They look to their Americans. Who can I root for that that's a homegrown guy? Well, right now, I think you tweeted it today. First time since 2011. Two of them have, two Americans have been in the top 10. It's Francis Tiafo and Taylor Fritz. It seems like American tennis is gaining some steam right now. A hundred percent. You know, Francis is coming off that title in Stuttgart, which got him into the top 10, which, you know, was, was a huge goal of his that he said he wanted to do this year. And he has been so focused for the last couple of years and really disciplined and with Wayne Ferreira coaching him and his buddy Jordi Arcanada traveling everywhere he, he goes as his hitting partner. Um, it's been a, it's been a great team and, He's shown what he's capable of and making that semifinal run last year at the U.S. Open, I think, changed a lot of things for him that, you know, now he's hanging out with all these celebrities and, you know, sitting courtside at basketball games and living the life. And and he, he wants more of that. And I've known Francis for a while and his just overall demeanor, you can't help but smile when you're around him. He brings this energy and electricity that you really don't find anywhere else. And he is having fun when he's out on the court. Uh, he's having fun when he's off the court. And if he wins a major, it is going to be such a game changer for tennis, for American tennis, for the world. And so uh, I'm really pulling for him and hoping. I texted him the other day, congratulations about the top 10. And I was like, he was like, yeah, top 10 tones, baby. And I said, Grand Slam champion tones on the way. And he, he was like, on the way. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's got that. He's got that mindset where, you know, he wants more. Like, there's all right. Now we're top ten. But and Taylor Fritz, by the way, is is, is just like that as well. Um, he's one of the best competitors in the world, and you know, um, it has gotten to the top five and you know made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon last year. But it is disappointed by that. He's like, I I should should be going further in these events and I should be winning majors. And so I love that attitude that he has. So those two being in the top 10, both being 25 years old. Great. You know, then I mentioned Ben Shelton, who's only 20. I mentioned Seb Korda, um, who's super young and in the top 30. So I, I think on the men's side, we've got a lot of great young talent on the way on the women's side. We also have two players in the top 10 right now. And by the way, Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula are the only players in the world that are both top 10 in singles and doubles right now. I mean, they're playing both nearly week in, week out, getting to the finals of you know, majors and doubles and trying to do the same thing in singles. Um, I think Coco, who's still only 19 years old, is crazy. going 
you know, and she's already a superstar, but she's going to start winning majors. It's going to happen. Um, and once that happens, you know, that's another massive game changer um, because just kind of like Francis, I mean, her personality is next level. She's such a pleasure always uh, to talk to great energy um, and, you know, a, a joy to watch. And, and Jesse's awesome as well. And, and I think, you know, she has all that it takes to, to make a breakthrough on that side. And, and by the way, we, we still have Maddie Keys and Sloan Stevens, who, in my opinion, any draw they enter, they can win. Now, any draw they enter, they could lose first round. But any draw they enter, they have the game to win that tournament. So um, I would not sleep on Sloan or Maddie ever. They still have plenty of game left. Um, so I, I think American tennis is in a, is in a really good spot. Yeah, there's so many weapons on the women's side for Amer American tennis on the women's side, and there has been for decades, especially with Serena and Venus, and Venus still playing, like you mentioned earlier earlier today. But the women's side of American tennis, has it seems like it's just been up and up, especially since Serena and Venus came on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had we've had players, you know, win majors. Um, you know, Slo Sloan's a major champion. Sophia Kennan is a major champion That's now, true. you know, she, she's fallen off a bit and is, is trying to, you know, get her way back inside the top 100, top 50, do all that. But, you know, a lot of people forget she made, she won the Australian Open in 2020, made the finals of Roland Garros that very same year. So um, there's no reason to believe that, you know, she can't get that level back. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's Coco Golf's world, and uh, you know we're just we're just you know all in on on seeing her you know get to the to the level that she wants to be at. And to me, you know the expectations have been there obviously since she, she was fifteen, which is you could say that's unfair, but you know it was four years ago that she made the fourth round of Wimbledon, beat Venus Williams, and um, was just a fifteen year old, and and now she's nineteen, kind of like a veteran, but she's still only a teenager. So to me. It's it's unfair to to get too down on anybody who hasn't won a major yet when they're only nineteen. I think the sky's the limit for her. She'll be fine and and you know, I, I think she'll win multiple majors. What a fun time to be a tennis fan. You got the the big three kind of on their way out, and I use the word kind of importantly there because of what Novak's doing and Rafa's gonna come back. The the young stars are so prevalent and there's so many good players that are in their 20s that are ready to take the torch and even could, you know, steal a couple slams from the big three while they're still here. Some of the big three that are still here. And then American tennis is entertaining to watch right now. It's got guys and women that you want to root for because you talked about it. They're great people. They're fun to listen to in interviews. They're entertaining on the court. A fantastic time to be a tennis fan uh, and a fantastic time to learn about tennis from you, Steve. I can't thank you enough for coming on to today's episode. It's been a blast. So much, I feel like we learned so much knowledge today, right? From just the experiences <laughs> that you bring and you talk about, you know, interviewing Novak after Roland Garros, which not everybody can do. But I, I can't thank you enough for coming today and sharing a little bit about your experience and what you've learned through the sport of tennis and your knowledge with the podcast today. My, my pleasure, Jacob. I appreciate you having me on. As Novak Djokovic told me at Roland Garros, Energy flows where attention goes, and I truly believe it. And you know, you are putting your attention and energy in, into this sport, and we need more of that. And and you know, just your passion for it, I think, 
helps uh, gain traction here in the States. And so uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and uh, hopefully do it again. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Uh, stay with us next week as we will talk a little bit about Wimbledon that's coming up next week. Uh, Steve Wiseman here on today's episode. Thank you to Steve and thank you for you to listening and we will get to grass court. A lot more grass courts happening. We'll get to that next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.